everybody. How you doing? Good. Hey, happy Easter. He's risen. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Hey, you know, uh, I just want to thank all the people that put all this stuff together. The sound team, the setup team, the worship team. Could you put your hands together and thank them for uh, amazing uh, everything that they did? They're great. It's an honor to, uh, to be here today with you. It's a great honor. We want to welcome you and thank you for coming. We're so excited that you're here. And, uh, you know, Jesus Christ was crucified, you know, and yet three days later, he trampled death and rose again. And that's why we're here because it is finished and Jesus is risen from the dead and he is alive. Come on, everybody. So, uh, welcome. Yes. So, Hey, and so today what we're going to do is we're going to unpack the resurrection. We're going to unpack the story, what happened there. We're going to look at it from a very practical point of view, how it impacts your life. But before we do that, I just want to say a quick word about the uh, the series we're starting next week, the Jesus series here, as we would love to continue the journey with you. And in your worship guide, uh, you have some little uh, uh, things here, a little questionnaire. Love you to pull that out because uh, what we want to do is we want to know what questions that you have so we can answer those questions in the series. So if you have any questions you want to ask, we're going to collect this at the very end. Write them down. Nothing's off limits. Anything you want to ask about Jesus, the resurrection, uh, his life, his ministry, his miracles, doubts, questions, anything you have, write those down. At the very end, we're going to collect those. Or, you know, we just threw a bunch of things out there that maybe you might want us to expand on. If you would do that for us, that would be a great help because that's going to help shape what we do over the next couple months in this series. So I need your help on that. If you could do that, that would be amazing. Again, we're going to collect that at the end here. So question. You know, you look at Easter cards. Has anybody seen this Easter card here, uh, right here? Have you ever noticed that Easter card there? I feel hollow inside. Anybody seen that one there? So, uh, you know, as I saw that, <laughs> as I saw that, you know, I was thinking to myself, you know what, sometimes I feel that way. You know what I'm talking about? Sometimes I feel hollow inside. Sometimes I feel empty inside. You, you, you ever feel that way? You know, you can show up on Easter, you know, looking your best, but really on the inside, you know, you can feel hollow sometimes and you can feel a little bit empty, even though it's, it's Easter, you know, and I think the feeling can happen to anyone there. You know, sometimes a chapter of your life, maybe it, it doesn't make sense. You know, I'm telling you, like, you can't connect the dots here. Sometimes, you know, you, you feel betrayed, you know, by a friend. And like, wh- where did that come from? And you feel just hollow on the inside there. Maybe, you know, it's, it's a health deal, you know, where now IVs and insurance claims and doctors are your world. And you can feel hollow and empty on the inside. Maybe it's the night that the police showed up at your house, came knocking on the door, and it wasn't very good news. Maybe it's a reversal of your finances, or maybe it's divorce papers are delivered, or whatever, you know. Maybe you hoped you'd be married by now, or you have children by now, or you have a family by now, and it just isn't happening, and you feel hollow or empty inside here. Well, I want to show you that Easter makes a difference in how you feel. That Easter's actually a really big deal here. And you know, and I get it with culture, you know, how we minimize Easter a little bit, you know, Christmas, you know, we started Thanksgiving and Christmas gets all the attention in our culture here. And, you know, like Easter, you, like we don't even know what month it's going to be in, right? 
You know what? Like, is it in March? Is it April? I saw April 1st. Is this like a joke? You know, is it really? Did anybody else think that? You know, when is, he, when is Easter going to happen here? And for Easter, you know, we got kids, we boil a dozen eggs, you know, and they get lost or whatever, you know, or, you know, you get your new outfit maybe, or perhaps, you know, you know, you make an appearance at church like we are today, you know, and then you have Easter dinner, you know, a little bit later on this afternoon at two, three or four or whatever. And then, you know, as a culture, we just kind of forget about Easter, and it's in the rearview mirror for 12 months, you know, and, and we kind of minimize sometimes a little bit, especially in culture, we kind of minimize. So what we're going to do today is this. I want to do three things. The first thing I'm going to do is I'm just going to unpack the Easter story. I'm going to talk about some highlights of the Easter story. Then the second thing that we're going to do is we're going to do this. We're going to talk about the resurrection realities. Like what difference the resurrection makes in your life. Got about seven of those. And then the last thing we're going to do is going to create a little bit of space so we can just kind of respond to those realities there. And so you know the Bible's full of talk about Good Friday. It's full of talk there. You know, Jesus, you know, was on the cross there. And Jesus is bloodied and Jesus is beaten there. And so Jesus is nailed to a cross and his followers, you know, they're like shocked. They're stunned there. They're bewildered. You know, they're hopeless. They're sorrowful. They don't know what to do. Their world has been blown up. The sky turns dark and Jesus, you know, breathes his final breath. And we all know about that. And Good Friday, though, Good Friday is the one day here that Jesus did something for you that no one else has ever done for you, and that is that he died for you. So that's Good Friday. So let me ask you a question. If Good Friday and the cross took care of the sin issue, why the need for a resurrection? I mean, why why wasn't that enough? Why did Jesus have to rise from the dead? Well, continuing the story there, now hope is dead. Saturday, Sunday morning, hope is dead here. And you know that feeling of being paralyzed just by a sense of hopelessness there. And that was the disciples. They were feeling defeated. They were despondent. They were discouraged. They were devastated. They felt hollow on the inside. And so now they're having a total meltdown. The disciples are in total meltdown mode. All their hopes, all their dreams, devastated there because Jesus Christ, who said he was the son of God here, now is dead. I mean, God is dead. And so everybody unfollowed Jesus. They unfollowed Jesus. Everybody, his followers unfollowed him. Game over. It was done. The dream was out of here. And so Peter says, says this in John chapter 21. He says, I know when a good thing is over. I, and he's the leader of the group, right? He says, I'm out of here. I'm done. I'm going fishing again. And then it says, and everyone, all the other disciples, they followed him. They're following Peter and they unfollowed Jesus. So see what happened here is that they're going back to the old life. There's no movement anymore. The dream is dead here. And so on Saturday, no one is placing bets on whether or not there's going to be a resurrection. See, they all figured Jesus is going to stay dead here. And Mary Magdalene, who played a key role in the, in the resurrection narrative there, she shows up one morning there, Sunday morning, and she doesn't show up thinking, you know, in her best Easter outfit, you know, thinking, I'm going to talk to Jesus. She's there to embalm him. She's there to embalm himself. But on Saturday, God was engineering a resurrection here. 
And God, though he, he, he flung the cosmos into existence, God now is about, about time to do his best work. And now God is engineering the most death-defying, grave-defeating, hope-giving, life-starting uh, day ever in the history of the world here. In John chapter 20, verse 1 says this, Early on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb. But the expectation of the tomb was Jesus is dead and he's dead forever. And she goes on to say in John chapter 20, verse 2, And they've taken the Lord out here. They've taken the Lord out of the tomb. Watch. And she doesn't say, and he's risen. He's not like, yeah, he's risen from the dead. You know, it's like, and we don't know where they put him. See, it was over. Mary is mourned out. Mary is tapped out here. She expects to find a dead body there. And she thinks the worst, that Jesus is dead. Nobody expects a resurrection here. The resurrection was not even remotely on their radar. And so let me pivot now. And let me attempt here to answer the question. Why is it then that Jesus needed to rise from the dead? You see, one day the greatest theologian that ever lived, the Apostle Paul, made mention of that because there was a church in Corinth and the church was a community of people just like this community of people here. And to that community of people, they were saying, you know what? We don't think the resurrection is a big deal. I mean, there were some that were like, yeah, but there were others like, we don't really think it's a big deal. We don't really care about the resurrection here. And so Paul says this to them. Look at the screens and read with me. It says, if Christ has not been raised from the dead, our preaching is useless, and so is your faith. And more than that, we are found to be false witnesses about God, for we have told other people that God raised Jesus from the dead. And if Christ has not been raised from the dead, your faith is futile. It's a joke. Gathering this morning is a joke, is what he was saying here. And you are still in your sin. And those who have died in Christ... They're not in heaven. They're all, who knows what happened? Did they vaporize? They're all lost. And we are to be pitied, pitied, locked up, crazy people. You are pitied to be more than the entire human race. So Paul says, you know what? This resurrection is like a really big deal here. So with your permission, if you'd allow me to maybe paraphrase that a little bit, I'd like, I'd like to do that for us. Because he here, he's saying, each is a big deal. I need to get this here. So he says, you know what? Let's just play this thing out if the resurrection didn't happen here. Let's talk about what, what it would actually mean. He says, first of all, is this. Your faith is a wash. It's a joke. It's useless if he didn't rise from the dead. Every sermon, every prayer, every worship experience throughout history, all of it is for not here. He says it's useless. It's pointless. It's worthless. It's a concoction. It's nonsense. All of it. He says, you know what? Your Christian faith, if Jesus didn't rise from the dead, it's a fabrication. And you've been spreading out lies if it's not true. All the people you've been talking about, your family and friends, it's outright lies you've been doing if you didn't rise from the dead here. And he says, you know what else in addition to that? Man, you are dead. You're, you're still in your sin. That, that mountain of moral indebtedness that you had in your life there, and you thought that that was going to be done away with, you've been convincing yourself that Jesus would do something about that? No! It's all on you forever here. 
It says your moral record, every thought, every word, every deed, everything you've ever done, it's on you. You're dead in your sin. And then he says, you know what? And all that talk and all that dreaming about, yeah, my family's in a better place. That's a joke too. There is no heaven and your family's not there and you're not going there either. So he says, you know what? The resurrection's a big deal. It's a really big deal. And if Jesus didn't rise from the dead, we're to be pitied. We're fools. We drank the Kool-Aid. That's what happened. You see, it's a big deal. And the entire Christian faith, it doesn't hinge on the birth. It doesn't hinge really on the death. It doesn't hinge on the life. It hinges on the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. So Easter's a big deal. And this is the point I really want us to grasp. We're here, many of us are here because it's a cultural celebration. And it's what we do on Easter. We go to church. And we remember something that happened in history. Maybe you believe it. Maybe you don't. It, it is a historical reality. But what I want to say, and I want to spend the rest of our time doing this. It's more than that. It's more than that. If you hear anything that I have to say, hear this. Easter is an experience to be lived out for the rest of your life. And that's what I want to show you. It's a big deal. It's an experience. Not an event. It was an event. But it's so much more. And God intended it to be more. And I'm afraid as a culture that we're missing it here. Paul put it this way. He said, I want to know Christ. Yes, of course I do. I mean, I'm Paul the Apostle. But more than that, I want to know the power connected to the resurrection. There's more. I want to go beyond just knowing and thinking in a mental, you know, living out in my head. I want to know the power of the resurrection. So I want to invite you, in our time reminder, I want to invite you to consider with me in the rest of our conversation seven realities. Seven realities that are available to you today about the resurrection. See, and this is the first one. This is the first one here. The resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, it demonstrates something. And what it demonstrates is that Jesus is actually who he said he was, that he was God here. If you're a Christ follower, the resurrection makes our God, God. The resurrection makes God, God. It validates who he said that he was. That he is indeed the risen son of Christ here. See, it's one thing for a religious leader to talk big, you know, and talk about what he's going to do there and, you know, and make wild claims. It's a whole other thing to back it up. Like, you're not dead anymore. You know what I'm talking about here? And I get it. I get culture. I get college. I get higher education. I get, I've been there, done that. And so, but, but people say, oh, you know what, Jesus, you know, and the resurrection is all fabricated, you know, and it's just a legend there. And they copied things. And they, they miscopied things. And you can't believe, and the legend grew and grew. And it's all a bunch of, you know, nonsense. And you can't believe that. Well, I think you can. I think a logical, scientific, you know, you, you can apply that. You can believe it. I want to show you why you can believe that here. Acts 1, 3 says this. says, after his suffering or after his death, after his death here, 
says, he presented himself, that is Jesus presented himself to many, many people to them and gave them convincing proof that he was alive from the dead here. And so, you know, like, because I'm a, I'm a pastor, you know, I do funerals, did one last week. And I do funerals, I do funerals, uh, in the graveside funeral, you know, they put, they drop the casket there, and the dirt goes on the top of the casket there. And I'm pretty sure, I'm pretty sure when I walk away, the person is staying there. I'm pretty sure of that. I mean, I've never had an exception. But Jesus was the exception. He rose from the dead. He really did. And Paul said, you don't believe that? All right. Here's what I got for you. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Look at the screens as we read together. I passed on to you, which is most important, would have been passed on to me. Christ died for our sins, just as the scripture said. And he was buried and he was raised from the dead. And on the third day, just as the scripture said, he was seen by Peter... And the 12, and after that, he's seen by more than 500 of his followers at one time. How many people know it's hard to fake out 500 people at the same time? Pretty hard to fake them out. Okay, says, and most of them are still alive. He says, look, you don't believe me. They're still alive. Go ask them. Go interview them. Interview a dozen, interview a hundred, all you have to do. They're still walking around Jerusalem and Judea. And they're seen by James. James, the brother of Jesus. I mean, how do you fake out your brother that you are proclaiming to be God and you're not God? Okay, and James says, our Lord, when he writes to me, he says, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And the apostles 70 high-capacity leader types here. He says, and last of all, as if all of that's not enough, I I saw him too. Okay, and so he says, look, when Jesus rose from the dead, the people in the vicinity of Jerusalem and Judea there, they saw him walking the streets of Jerusalem. They had breakfast with him, and they did what you and I would do. They went to social media and told everybody about it. That's right. Ancient social media. Talking. They went old school. There no tweeting, no Snapchat. But they were talking. And they were writing. And, and the Gospels. And Matthew and Mark and Luke and John. They're writing. Peter is writing about it. And Paul is writing. And, and, and James comes to the conclusion that my brother can be no one other than God. So see, social media, the word is getting out there. And that's how we know we can believe because it's spreading throughout the ancient world there. That a dead man, a dead man, a former dead man is now walking the streets of Jerusalem. And they're seeing, I saw him. Mom, I know our Jewish religion and our customs, but I saw him walking the streets of Jerusalem. Mom, I'm going with that man. So Jesus there is walking the streets here. And so because of the resurrection, we know that Jesus is indeed the Son of God. And secondly, he is, we know this. Our faith is extraordinary. Think about this. Paul said, look, if Christ is risen from the dead, it's all a joke. It's a fabrication. But 
Because he is risen from the dead, you have a unique and extraordinary faith here. We have a rock-solid, historically defensible faith that has stood the test of time, 2,000 years, that's gone from a couple dozen people there, people in an upper room, to over 2 billion, 2 billion people today celebrating that Jesus Christ is who he said that he is, the Son of God. And the Christian faith, there's nothing like it. I invite you to consider that it's coherent. In other words, it all hangs together. Through history, it all hangs together. Just If you look into it, it's comprehensive. It speaks to the totality of the need of the human existence. It's absolutely comprehensive. No one ever taught like Jesus taught. No one ever healed like he healed. No one ever stood for social justice like him. No one ever lived like him. You see, it is radically inclusive. There's nothing exclusive about the faith here. It's absolutely awesome here. And so then willingly, Jesus sacrificially died for the wrongdoing, an atoning death for all people that would ever live here. Friends, friends, listen to me. We have an extraordinary faith because we have an extra, there's an extraordinary Savior. And check this out. Number three reality that I would like to suggest to you that is available to you is this. Your sins are forgiven. Now think about that. When our cars get dirty, we take them to the car wash. When our clothes get dirty, we, we wash them or we take them to the cleaner. But who washes us on the inside? Who can wash your mind of all the wrongdoings, of all the guilt? Who can wash you? See, because of the, rea- the reality of the resurrection available to you, is it you can, you can have your sins forgiven. And this is serious business. It's serious business. You see, and nothing can undo, nothing can undo because of the resurrection, nothing can undo what Christ did on the cross. And so, and you can take that for your own life. You can personalize that for your own life here. And so, Paul says, look, if Christ didn't rise from the dead, okay, no, then your sins are not canceled. Then you're still accountable. For your pile of moral debt, it's still on you. So the Bible, you know, is just is replete with metaphors trying to describe this so we can get our minds around the, the immensity and the enormity of what it means that humanity has had their slates wiped clean by what Jesus did on the cross. So Psalms 103 says it this way. It says, as far as east is from west, so look, your sins have been cast away from you. So has God removed your transgressions. You think about that as far as east is from west. You know, it's like, look in the sky. Look as far as you can look east and the big sky. And look, you don't have to look far with the smog in Southern California, but, uh, but then you got the west, you know, and you look in the sky and maybe remember like, that's what God has done for me. Isaiah chapter one, verse 18. Though your sins be as scarlet, Okay, they shall be as white as snow. So when you go to the mountains next time and you see the snow-capped mountains, you look at the snow, you think, that's what God has done for me. My sin was once dark and as red as scarlet. And what God did is he's washed it. And he washed it by his blood. He's made it as, as white as snow there. In Hebrews, the author of Hebrews said this in Hebrews chapter 8, verse 12. He says, you know what, when it comes to your, your record of wrong and your moral indebtedness and everything that you feel guilty about, he says this, watch. God says, you know what? 
Okay, your sins like, because of what Jesus did, I don't even remember that anymore. Like no masaki. The other reality is this. Is that you've got power that's available to you. Because of the resurrection, you've got power available to you. There's an incredible verse in Ephesians where Paul wrote this letter to the church at Ephesus. And he said this, I also pray, not only that, but I also pray this. That you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power. Okay, To all of you who believe that this is the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you. Now think about that. That's awesome. Easter's awesome, but you know what? Tomorrow morning is awesome too because that's what's available to you. Watch. Easter is an invitation to an experience. The activity of God in your life. The power of God in your life here. You see, the power of the resurrection, it's the power to change your life. The power to change your, ma- your marriage. The power to change your morals. The power to change your emotions. The power to change your future. The power to change your finances. See, there's power there. And I don't care how much willpower you have. You know, we all have, if we had a willpower old meter, you know, and it would show how much willpower some people, you know, there's a bag of Cheetos, like you're hopeless, you know, you just, you just, just not, anything that ends in Etos, you're done, you're right? You're just done. Okay, you want to crack that baby open, hunker down in the corner and eat those till you're done. That's inside me too. So some people have a lot of willpower. Other people, you know, uh, you, you have immense willpower. Okay, but no matter how much willpower you have, there is an end to your willpower. At some point, and you need more power. See, the power of the resurrection is also to help you to let go of your past. I'm talking about your guilt, your grief, your grudges. I'm talking about good go- church-going people. They got all kinds of hurts and hang-ups and habits and stuff. And the power of the resurrection is to help you start over, to give you a new day and a new beginning here. Not only that, the power of the resurrection there is to help you keep going. Sometimes, you know, are you like me? Sometimes you just feel spent and done. And you need, you need some power just to keep going. You know what I'm talking about? You, you need that power, don't you? And so the power to keep going when you're when you're beyond yourself and you're out of energy there. See, Easter's more than a historical event. We're missing it if we, if we, if we camp there. See, Easter is more than a holiday. Easter is a life waiting to be lived because of the resurrection. Do you believe this? Do you believe this? You see, another awesome resurrection reality is this here. That we have hope. We really do. We have hope. We're people of hope, right? Come on. I mean, hope is why you go on a first date. Hope is why you get married. Hope is your, you have hope, you know, when you're standing there at the altar. What is your heart full of, but full of hope of, of what's going to be, and you're anticipating it, and then reality hits. <laughs> I 
No personal application there. That was just for you, of course. (laughs) And so hope is why entrepreneurs start businesses. Hope, we have all these dreams, and hope is why students go to college. And hope is why, why, hope is why we buy treadmills and thigh masters. (laughs) Hope is, hope is why we do CrossFit and 24 hour fitness and, and curves and all that. See, it's hope. See, see, we're wired up to hope. And hope appears in the Bible 71 times. 71 times. One time before the resurrection and 70 times after the resurrection. You see, the resurrection, it brings hope like nothing else. When you're you're out of hope here, it brings hope. See, Jesus Christ resurrected from the dead to give you hope. Hope every day. Hope for what? Well, hope that when you pray, there's actually a God who's alive that's listening to your prayer. See, the same Jesus that came back to life is the same Jesus said, when you pray, you pray unto a heavenly father. That gives you hope there. God knows it. He says, and God, you have hope that God knows exactly what you want before you even ask. See, that's giving you hope there. Hope that God is living and hope that he is present. Jesus said this in Matthew chapter 18. He says, whenever two or more of you are gathered in my name, I'm going to join the meeting. I'm going to plan on coming. I'm going to join that gathering. And so you have hope then, Jesus is the resurrected, that any time followers gather in his name, any location, any language, any place in the world, okay, that he says, I'm going to make myself available to you. I'm going to make myself available to the gathering anywhere in the world. I'm going to join that gathering. I know critics, you know, would, would have, have their, their day on this. But Jesus says, I'm going to join that gathering. I'm going to be available here by my presence. And when you leave, you probably this happened. You've left the gathering and you felt different. You left a gathering, maybe it was church, maybe it was a small group, and you, you, you felt hope in your step there. You see, the reality of the resurrection is this, is it, that, you could, that is available to you is this, is that darkness was defeated. Am I the only one in the room that has any darkness in their life? Do you have any darkness in your life that needs to be defeated? And so see, in Revelation chapter 1, verse 18, look at the screens of what Jesus said. After he was resurrected, look at the screen. I am he who lives, Jesus says, and was dead. No other God can say that, and was dead. And behold, I'm alive forevermore. Amen. How do you like that? Jesus is like, I know who's going to amen me, but I'm going to amen myself. He goes, amen. Like, yeah. And so he amens himself. He says, and I've got the keys I've got the keys to hell, to Hades, and to death. He's like, look, it's like he's holding the keys up. He says, look, I'm resurrected from the dead. And you, you want to know who's got the authority and the power and the dominion over hell and over death? Yeah, when I rose from the dead, I punched death in the mouth. And I have the keys. I punched hell in the mouth. And I'm it. Jesus said, look, here it is. I got the keys. I got the authority. He says, look, I was resurrected. And I, un- I possess the power 
to unlock death, to unlock hell in your life here. If you believe in Jesus, here's what I know to be true. You can be a good person, have good intentions, but you have dead and dying things in your life. Maybe you're here and you feel like your relationship with God is dead or your marriage is dead. Jesus says, look, I've got I've power over that. I, I hold the keys. I can unlock things in your life. I can unlock death. I can unlock hell. I can unlock darkness. I can bring light. I can set you free. And God will meet you because of the resurrection. He meets you where you are. And he never leaves you where he finds you. He never leaves you. And only God, listen to me, only God can take the brokenness of our lives. I am a broken person. You are a broken person. Only God can take the brokenness of our lives. And because he holds the keys of hell and death, and he's resurrected, he can take brokenness and and he can work it and God can do what only he can do and make it beautiful again. That's what God can do. That's redemption there. So see, he is that. So the resurrection, it changes your life for today. It's not an event. It's to be experienced. And, and the resurrection reality that I want to make available to you is this. That there is life beyond this life. There is life beyond this life. That death is not the end of your story. Death is not the end of your story. And so see... All who die in Christ live forever and ever and ever. So Jesus said this before he was resurrected. They're like trying to get, people are trying to get their minds around it. Some of the things he was saying is like, what in the flip is he talking about? You know, he says, you know what? He says, when I go, I'm going to go and prepare a place for you. Prepare a place for us. Okay. And, and I'm coming back. You're coming back. I'm coming back and I'm going to take you there. And in my father's house, there are many mansions like, what? So, so see, the resurrection shows this, shows that, that there is life after life. That you may, it says, dust you are made and dust till dust you shall return, but your spirit will live forever. The real you, not the shell that people think is you, but the real you inside of you, inside of your shell, will live forever. And the Bible says the same power after you die, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead will resurrect you to a life of eternity in God's presence. And you can take it to the bank here. So what does that mean? If you're wondering, you're pondering, should I believe, should I, shouldn't believe, I don't know what the thing is. So you don't have to walk around. Listen to me. You don't have to walk around worrying about the next reality. There's a next reality, and Jesus told you about it because he went there and he came back. So he could tell you about that reality. And so heaven is real. And so you don't, you don't have to worry about that anymore. So these are fantastic realities. These resurrection realities. They change your life. Easter is an experience waiting to be, to be lived not an event that just happened. And so this morning what I want to do is I want to close, begin to close this way. And we're going to share some stories in just a little bit about, about the reality, about the reality of, 
the resurrection and how that's affected people's lives that are sitting out there just like just normal people. They're going to tell their stories. Okay. And we're going to do that in just a few minutes. But before we do that, I just want to, I just want to close and give us a little space here to, uh, to respond to the resurrection reality. I want to give you a little chance to respond, you know, cause you leave here, you know what's going to happen? You get in the car and, yeah, church, uh, uh, yeah, that was, that, that was good. And you're just busy, okay? And next thing and lunch and Easter egg hunts. And I just want to give us a little space, a gift, a gift of some space to process and to respond. And so to do this, I need to talk to you. It's going to take me a few minutes. It's going to take me a few minutes. So I'm going to ask you, because uh, it's like the kind of eye to eye, person to person. I, I like to ask you to just, if you could stand, if you could stand. And so I'd like to describe to you in just a moment, and take me a few minutes. Christianity, what is it? At its essence, it's more than a creed, it's more than a belief system. It's more than rules and rituals. The essence of Christianity is this. It's a two-way relationship with a living Savior, a resurrected Jesus. That's what it is. A relationship. So let me show you a picture that captures the heart of Christianity. And here it is on the screens. Here it is. And this is a symbol of God's hand. And then there's us. There's me and there's you. Fragile. Far weaker. But if our hand is in his strong hand, and if we're walking through life that way, you know, it's a game changer. I mean, it's a total game changer. Some of you, when you look at that picture, you know, you're thinking, yes, that's that's me. That is how I live my life every day. And and you're actually maybe kind of celebrating now, thinking like, yes, that's me. It's an extraordinary faith, and I'm an extraordinary blessed person. I'm guided by God's hand, and, uh, and you just see that you're protected, and you're encouraged by that, and you feel God's hand in, in your hand and His hand on your life. And how else could you live life when you have seasons of confusion and fear, and you always know there's a strong hand that you can hang on to? And I cannot imagine, I cannot imagine doing life any other way. I can't imagine. And others of you are thinking, oh, that's what I'm missing. I don't have my hand in anybody's hand. And I don't have my hand in God's hand. And somebody invited me. And here I am. And I've done Easter for years and years as an event. I've never experienced the reality of the resurrection. And I just want to say the good news of Easter is this is that God's hand is extended to you. 
And perhaps this Easter, you would say, yes, I accept the hand. And I believe. And that's what I want for my life. And you could meet God. And your life can be different. If you just would stretch out your hand to his hand. And the Bible puts it this way. Whoever, whoever calls on the name of the Lord, they'll be saved. They'll be redeemed. And they'll know God. But it's whoever. You don't have to be perfect. You don't have to join this church. You have to jump through any hoops. It's just whoever, whoever. And I wonder this morning if you're the whoever. And so what we're going to do is we're going to close and worship. And, and Jesus said, I am your resurrection and I am your life. And if you'll believe in me, you'll, you'll live. If you just believe in me. And even though you die, your body dies, you, you live for, if you believe in me, you'll live forever. I just wonder if you want that in your life, if you want the resurrection of realities that are available to you, if you want that. And so right there in your seat, right where you are, you can say to God, God, I know you talked to me today, and this is what I want. I understand what I've done. I understand I've gone down roads, and I've got my stuff. I'm, just, I'm sorry for that. I'm sorry for the mess. I'm sorry for what I did. God, I just want to reach out to you. I, I want to experience the reality of you, your person, the resurrection. I want to experience that. So as we close and worship, I'm going to ask you that if this is your story already, I'm going to ask you to just kind of, like sometimes we need to acknowledge that. Sometimes I just kind of need to say, yeah, that's me. And if you've never experienced that, I'm going to ask the others of you that you would do the same thing. By the acknowledging of your hand, you're saying, God, yeah, I'm in. I believe. Easter. It's not an event. I want to experience you. And so you're saying, God, I'm ready. Somebody once said that it's been that there are a thousand steps that separate you from God. A thousand steps. And Jesus has taken 999 steps. And he's waiting for us to take the last step. So perhaps this morning, you'll take that last step. And so in just a moment, we're going to play a video. All I'm going to ask is those cards, if you can pivot and collect those cards. And as we worship, between you and God, it's only between you and God, I'm out of the equation. I'm not, I'm not part of the equation. The church is not part of the equation. Between you and God and the privacy of your place. We're going to close and we're going to worship for five or ten minutes. And If that's you and you want Jesus, you just acknowledge him this morning. And so right where you are, you can just bow your head with me as we pray. And Father, thank you that it doesn't matter whatever our past is. It doesn't change your irrational and audacious and unconditional love for everyone in this room. That you sent your son on a rescue mission for my pile of sin. And then you make the gift of redemption available to us as a free gift to any and to all. You are an awesome God. 
And so we pray to you and as we lift our hands, extended to you and some for the very first time as, as we worship, then right now and in this prayer, you would take us as your children. You would wash us of our sin. You would transform people in this place at Easter is more than an event, but an experience to be lived. Do we receive your love today? Receive forgiveness today? And now for all the people across this room, God, I pray that you would touch them with your power that you talked about. You would touch their hearts and you would give them courage and grace to take next steps in following you. They'd be able to be in a real relationship. And so those of you that you knew that was for you, pray this prayer in your heart. Jesus, thank you for going to the cross and paying for my sin. Forgive me and save me. I need you. Come alive inside me and heal me and change me. I surrender my life to you. Today, I make you my Savior. That's you. You want to acknowledge that you do that in just a moment. And the cross, the cross before you gives you the power to rewrite your story. He is risen. He is risen indeed. Hey, you know what? Just put your hands together and give out a big shout to the resurrected Christ. Yeah! You are alive. Right on. God bless you guys. See you next week. Happy Easter. He's risen.